you know, let's say you're a Republican. Well, how could that Democrat believe that? They must be an idiot because they, they, I mean, all they have to do is read what I'm reading. But the reality is the Democrats saying, well, how could that Republican say that they're an idiot if they could only see what I'm reading? The reality is they're not reading the same things we're reading. We're creating almost extremism. So we've made truth relative to whatever you think is true at the moment. All right, let's do this. Welcome to uh, another podcast. I'm here with Noah Smith. Hey, Noah, how are you? Hey, good. Awesome to be here. Hey. Hey. <laughs> we're not editing that out, by the way. We're, we're keeping, hey. Um, yeah, not awkward uh, at all. Yeah, I mean, you are a creative, so you wear skinny jeans and stuff like that. It's probably okay. Yeah, you see my face mask? Yeah, you do yeah, have a face that's mask. That's a scarf, buddy. Yeah, that's that's my cute. Scarf slash face mask is a fashion statement. Yeah, you look cute. You got Thanks, your plaid. You got your plaid on, uh, ready for fall. Um, yeah. Uh, you look it's, real, the, yeah. it's the time of the year. You, you, it's a. It's somebody said once it's lumber sexual, and that definitely could probably be edited out. Yeah, uh, we can keep it, but uh, probably uh, since you said it, we can keep it. Awesome. <laughs> Well, hey, uh, today, as you know, we're going to be discussing this new topic. Uh, It's a show on Netflix, a documentary called The Social Dilemma. Um, Obviously, you've seen it. uh, I've seen it. And um, I just felt like it was really relevant in in what we're doing. And we'll get to that a little later. But I thought we'd just talk about the, the show itself and get some feedback and thoughts and and then kind of transition midway through. What do you think? Yeah, sounds good, man. Awesome. Um, I just coughed and Noah had a look on his face like, did you catch that on video? I, I muted myself, buddy. Don't worry. I'm really uh, good at this podcasting cool. stuff. I'm three in. I'm three podcast in. So actually, I think I'm four in. Something like that. Yeah, you're basically a veteran. I mean, you recorded you recorded in uh, in the woods. I mean, that's like uh, that's field recording. I feel like National Geographic is going to hire you away. Kind of like that. <laughs> I mean, not a bad deal. Yeah, I actually really enjoyed those podcasts in the mountains. I would like to do more of those. Um, the hard part about it was you have no resources, um, so you don't. I mean, I guess if I would have taken notes ahead of time, but everything is just off the cuff. Makes it a little difficult, especially for the first couple you've ever recorded, but I did enjoy those. Hopefully, uh, you guys are enjoying them too. Something a little different. Yeah, I mean, I learned a ton about hogging, so that was, <laughs> that was helpful. Yeah, the f- catching a fish, hogging, yeah. I, I mean, I honestly, I just kept thinking, I was like, I have got to meet this Terry Rexheimer guy sometime. Oh, Terry's awesome. He just texted me. I haven't checked it yet. Maybe I should check it while we're, while we're recording and see what he had to say. Well, well let's see what he said. Uh, Terry, what did he say to me? He said, um, he sent me, Jesus gave me a parallel to your truth yesterday. And he wrote, this is his handwritten note. He won't mind me saying this. If I am foolish enough not to listen to God after the, mm, after I'm, after I've opened his word, then I'm a bigger fool than I was before I ever opened it. Hmm. That's pretty good. I'm sorry, I was trying to read his handwriting. If I'm if I'm foolish enough not to listen to God after I've opened his word, then I'm a bigger fool than I was before I opened it. Wow. Terry Rexheimer, man, he brings the truth. I love him. 
Yeah. Well, great. Uh, but let's dive into this. Uh, I thought I would start by just uh, pulling some, and these are not exact quotes, pretty close, but I was trying to type as I was listening, and so there could be a couple words off. But just um, start with just reading some quotes from the the Social Dilemma on Netflix. Uh, I would highly recommend uh, anyone listening, if you haven't uh, watched it yet, to do so. And, and even watch it with your children and your family. I think it's, uh, it's well worth uh, the time and, and very, um, very revealing. But, but some of the quotes that I, that I wrote down are, uh, you are a lab rat. We are, all rab- we are all lab rats, but not to cure a disease like cancer and do something great for society, but instead in order to make tech rich. Um, and again, these are not exact quotes, but pretty, pretty, pretty close to it. Uh, if you're not paying for the product, then you are the product. Social media isn't a tool waiting to be used. It's not sitting waiting on you. Instead, it's demanding things from you. It's seducing you. It has its own goals and means to pursue them by using your own psychology against you. If everything is entitled to their, if everyone is entitled to their own facts, then there's really no need for com- compromise. And in fact, there is no need for anyone to interact. And there's no doubt that social media is a drug. Those are just some quotes, kind of a teaser of what we're going to talk about. So obviously the social dilemma is about social media and the effect on our minds and the effect on society. And um, I just thought it was really revealing also on the effect of Christianity today. I, I, I think we could call what we're going through the Christian dilemma because it's caused so many Christians to become distracted and busy lose margin in their life, uh, take on a new addiction that doesn't seem bad on the surface, but, but creates a lot of bad in our lives. And that would be social media. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And, uh, Noah, what did you, uh, what do you think about the, uh, the documentary? Well, my approach to a lot of these, like, especially when they come up and, you know, in my queue or in, you know, you're going to be excited about this show. Um, I always have like a little bit of a hesitation. I, I, I'm like, ah, I don't really know if I want to watch it, especially when I read a description that's like, I already know that this is going to be a show or a movie that's going to be challenging to my worldview or, or how I do things. So I'm like, I always try to watch it with like a little bit of like, uh, I don't know if I want to do this, but you know, like anything, um, you know, you're sitting there watching, you know, some for us, it's like Parks and Rec, and we love that show. And then, uh, you know, you kind of get to a point where you're like, okay, we've watched this show now like 16 different times through. Maybe it's time to watch something else. So we, we popped that on. Uh, Emily, actually, my wife, put it on. And uh, within like a few minutes, I was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, I don't want to look at my phone during this entire show. But, dude, the hesitation or like the feeling I had, like – I, I looked at my phone probably like a hundred times during the course of just trying to watch it. And of course it's talking about social media and talking about the distraction in your life and everything else. And like in my heart, I was like, Oh, I got, I got to check my phone. I got to check my messages. I got to check. What if I'm missing out on something? Um, which just tells me like I have bought in 100% hook, line, sinker into society. Um, and it's just crazy, man. Like I, I, I mean, I watched it and, you know, some of it, I already had feelings towards social media. I mean, you know, 
that it's a drug. You know, like what it's doing to people. You know it because you go into a coffee shop and you have six people around a table and they are not talking to each other at all. They're just looking at their phone. So it, we all know it. And this documentary just, for me, it just shows, it's like just pull, pulling the mirror up and saying, you should look at this. Um, so, you know, obviously we got started in the conversation. What was it like Monday? No, you know what it was? Sunday, you sent me a screenshot of the dude with the dreadlocks. And I think we were both laughing about it because we were like, it reminded us of a friend. <laughs> and uh, you made a joke hey, about I'll, that, of course. Hey, I'll say the friend's name. It was... <laughs> If you guys are into uh, contemporary Christian worship, uh, or I don't know if that, just worship music, I should say, uh, there's a man named Brandon Lake. Uh, he's a friend of Noah and I's. He actually went to church with us for a while, and uh, he's kind of blown up on the scene of, of worship. But Brandon has uh, long hair like that and kind of has a little goatee. And uh, <laughs> So when you watch this, if you know who Brandon Lake is, uh, watch uh, The Social Dilemma, and you'll see this uh, – the guy's name, uh, I have it here, actually. Um, the guy's name is uh, Jaron Lanier, I think it is. L-A-N-I-R. What, what other, yeah, it's got to be Jaron. Yeah, it's Jaron. And, it's uh, never John. He, yeah, so he wrote the book, The Ten Arguments for Deleting Your Social Media Accounts Right Now. Uh, and he has some great quotes we'll talk about here and here soon. But anyhow, <laughs> I said it looked like an overweight old uh, Brandon Lake. So if you know him at all, watch it. You'll laugh at that. Uh, but anyhow, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, uh, Noah. No, it's good. It, it's hilarious. Um, but yeah, I think I think the next thing I did was I just shot back. I was like, social dilemma. Yep, we watched it. Um, but yeah, so I don't know, man. I think I think. From there, it just kind of spurred us on to say, like, let's talk about this. Let's 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 make a podcast that's very relevant right now, and and really, like, I think we have some questions that we kind of put together regarding discipleship and how does it impact that. And uh, I I look forward to talking about that more. Yeah, we'll certainly get there. Um, just want to set a a bit of a, a background. I, I don't think we are. Um, Spoil is no spoiler alert here. I mean, it, it's pretty obvious what the social dilemma is about and what they're going to talk about. So I don't think anything we're going to say today is going to ruin it for anybody. So don't don't feel like you can't listen to this if you haven't watched it yet. I'll probably just make it more rich when you do. Uh, give you some context as you as you as you dive in. Uh, it's funny, um, Noah. You mentioned that I pulled some clips from uh, Netflix, and um, for the sole purpose of pointing people back to this and and just showing the power of what's happening, but um. I want to play one of those. This is uh, a clip from uh, Tim Kendall. Is that his name? Yeah, Tim Kendall. Uh, he was an exec with fa Facebook and Pinterest. And this is him just talking. You were saying the uh, how you couldn't put your phone down even though you said you were going to put your phone down while you watched it. Mm -hmm. And he, yep. he's an exec, and uh, this is what he says, and we'll, we'll talk a little more about it. So, so hopefully this comes through. Okay, here. A few years ago, I was the, uh, the president of Pinterest. I was coming home and I couldn't get off my phone once I got home, despite having two young kids who needed my love and attention. I was in the pantry, you know, typing away on an email or sometimes looking at Pinterest. This is classic irony. I am going to work during the day and building something that then I am falling prey to. And, and I couldn't, I mean, some of those moments I couldn't help myself. Yeah, so that's Tim Kendall, the the guy that's building it, and then he comes home, and 
and he can't stop listening to it or looking at it. I, I just found that pretty compelling. So, so what this, um, this documentary is pretty much made up of uh, a bunch of former execs in the social media industry, tech industry that know behind the scenes, like they, they, they can pull back the curtain and, and allow you to see like really what's going on here. And some of them are still in the industry. Some of them are out of the industry uh, because they feel like there's a social dilemma here. And um, so anyhow, that was, that was Tim Kendall uh, talking about, about his problem. It's interesting at the end of this show, uh, Tim Kendall talks about the fact that like he will not allow his kids to be on uh, social media and he highly limits their, their time on technology period. And, and it was like a common theme among all these guys uh, with their family and kids as, as far as like, uh, yeah, we don't allow it in our house uh, yet. Uh, those are the people that made it and understand it. And yet we are such consumers of social media that we are, we are literally giving it our, our, our complete attention. It seems like, um, yeah, I just thought that was pretty telling. Just talking about like the kid, kid aspect, you know, my wife and I both are very like, we we had i we were idealistic with our first and thinking like we won't have tablets we won't have youtube we won't have any of that and um you know we're still somewhat there but as we've had more kids it's become a lot more compelling for us especially when we're at a restaurant or whatever to hand over our phones and be like all right kids just please just give us a moment of peace um, so like I face a different set of circumstances, uh, than you do where a lot of their peers, a lot of your kids' peers are, you know, they're all exposed to social media and they're using it and stuff like that. How does that work for you? How do you, how do you monitor that? Uh, they don't have it. <laughs> uh, I actually want to do a whole nother podcast on, uh, social media, the effect on kids and parenting through social media. Uh, I think, uh, so, so I probably will dance around that, but I mean, the short of it is we just don't allow it. Um, I would rather have kids that aren't as popular and maybe a little bit disconnected. I don't even know if that really happens, but let's just say it does because they don't have social media. And then those same kids have good, strong minds, confidence, uh, margin in their day relationship with me. Uh, versus having a popular kid that's highly connected that, you know, is cutting themselves suicidal. And it's not a guarantee, but, you know, it, it brings us to a point. They talk about that at one point in the documentary. They talk about <clears throat> what's happened among teenage and, and pre-teenage girls. Um, and there's a chart. I'm pulling it up now. Uh, it's it's really scary, and again, we'll probably do another podcast on this. But it but it said U.S. hospital admissions for non-fatal self-harming. So we all know that that's cutting, abusing ourselves. You know the things that oftentimes happen with um, you know preteens and teens. But there's this uh, there's this uh, curve that has gone through the roof, and since 2008. Um, girls eight, age 15 to 19 are 62 percent more likely or, or the the admission the u.s hospital admissions for non-fatal self-harm has gone up 62 percent for girls ages 15 to 19 since 2008 and for girls ages 10 to 14 i have a 10 year old girl i mean they're still babies <laughs> like 10 to 14 
is 189% increase in non-fatal self-harm admissions to hospitals since 2008. Now, that's bad. It gets really bad. Um, and by the way, guess when social media really hit the scene with with uh, with phones and, and, and everything else? 2008. 2008. In the chart, it actually has a line that shows that. And where that line is, is like it's very obvious where, I mean, as soon as that the, the line for 2008 hits, the the curve goes exponentially up and right. And so the and then look at this. So the U.S. suicide rates, death per million girls. Okay, so they, they did a chart on that. And since 2008, girls ages 15 to 19 are 70%. There's a 70% increase in deaths per million per girl in girls ages 15 to 19 since 2008. 70% increase. And get this. Again, I have a 10-year-old daughter. I mean, she's still a, she's a, I mean, I can't even fathom her having a suicidal mindset. But since 2008, there's a 151% increase since 2008 in girls ages 10 to 14. But let me just say this, that, that, that was talking about kids. I think it's for adults too. I mean, I'm 42 years old, so I'll just say I don't really do I don't do social media. I have accounts, but I don't even go on them. The only time I go on if I need to see something because somebody told me I have to look at something or if I need to, I don't even. That's the only reason I really go on. Um, but I'm 42 years old. I'm not mature enough to be on social media, and I used to be almost embarrassed to say that. The thought of that was embarrassing. After watching Social Dilemma, it's not embarrassing. What 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 these um, engineers have done and the algorithms that they have created to more or less prey on us, uh, nobody's mature enough to overcome it. I mean, we just heard Tim Kendall say, I mean, he, he was addicted to it and he made it. He couldn't even get himself away. There's another guy talking later on and he says that um, – in order to break his addiction of social media, and he was a he was an engineer for one of these companies writing all the code, he had to write a his own software so that he could overcome his addiction of that software. <laughs> I mean, that's nuts. And so, but we're gonna we're gonna so you know you may listen to this and say, oh my kids, my my daughters, my son, you know whatever, I gotta protect them. No way, you gotta protect yourself. I, I can't get on social media. And again, I don't mind saying this. I can't get on social media and not make not become a not become a comparison game. A comparison of my of my wealth, a comparison of my if I'm a good enough father, comparison of my hobbies. Like, do I have cool enough hobbies? Oh, that person has a really cool hobby. Is my hobby that cool? <laughs> right? A comparison of my vacation. Well, look at that vacation. My vacation wasn't that cool. Like it becomes this comparison game. And what there's a quote about comparison. It's like uh, comparison is the the enemy to contentment. I think it is. I don't know who says it, but it's something like that. And so it completely it completely kills contentment in my life. And so I get on and I and I would get off social media and I would I would constantly just feel less and feel like I I, I wasn't a good enough father or husband or you know all those things. And then and then that self doubt just starts weighing on you. And, and that's just one of the aspects. So, but, but I just want to say, I mean, the, the stats were about kids, but man, I, I think if you're, I don't care who you are, a big, tough guy, 
listening to this podcast, trust me, it's affecting you. And if you think it's not, then you just don't understand the mind. And the social dilemma <laughs> will tell you about that. It's amazing how they how they preyed upon our mind. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, like I, I think I was telling you uh, earlier, we we're just kind of discussing this a little bit, and you know, I said, you know, I go onto Amazon and I'm looking up something that's of interest to me, and you know, I, I'm obviously like a very very into triathlon and bicycles and you know all this stuff so it's crazy how these algorithm works you know honestly i don't even have to go onto amazon anymore i don't know if this has happened to you before but you know emily and i will be sitting at dinner time and we're talking about i don't know just some random thing that we're, we're thinking about buying washer and dryer um you know and we're saying yeah we we really need a washer and dryer and blah 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 have a little discussion it's within minutes that I, I can go onto Facebook and I've got ads for, for washer and dryer. It's crazy how these, these things work. And, you know, it's like we even tested it one time. We were, we were like, once it, the first time it ever happened, I was like, yeah, that's, yeah, right, whatever. That's just coincidental. And she was like, no, 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 check this out. So she said, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 4. That's all she did. Sure enough, she goes onto Facebook. There's ads for PlayStation 4. It's like how, like, if, if we think that they aren't listening all the time, they are. Like, it's nuts. Um, I don't know if that's it. Well, that sounds like, it sounds like you're... Conspiracy theory? <laughs> they talk about that. Yeah, it talks about oh, people know. like you in, in, the, in the social dilemma. It talks about people like the conspiracy theorist and how uh, it creates these these black holes that people go down, and or they call them rabbit holes, and... And, uh, you know, there's the flat earth conspiracy and, and this and that, and it talks about the polarization. So I guess you're one of those. Wait, you, you don't believe in the flat earth? Oh, that's like a whole other podcast, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got to do a podcast on flat earth versus round earth. What's interesting, I just pulled up a clip on that. Listen to, listen to this one. Uh, this is, this is interesting. This is from, uh, I think it's Tristan Harris that says this, um, which was a, a former uh, Google tech uh, exec. So um, let's listen to this clip. This is interesting. What I want people to know is that everything they're doing online is being watched, is being tracked, is being measured. Every single action you take I'm sorry, is Jeff carefully Siebert. monitored and recorded. Exactly Twitter what exec. image you stop and look at, for how long you look at it. Oh, yeah, seriously, for how long you look at it. <laughs> Think about that. Like, even how long you look at a picture. It's crazy. It's really espionage, and we, we allow it. And what's funny is, you know, one of the big points of this, of this, um, this documentary was that when you, are, when you are not paying for something, then you are the product. <laughs> so everybody thinks they're getting something for free from, from all these social media places. Well, they give it to you for free because you are the product. You're, the, you're what they're selling, and they're selling it to advertisers, and they're making billions of dollars. Uh, this lady from Har uh, Harvard, um, a professor, was saying that it, the tech industries are the richest industries in the history of, um, of the world. And what they're selling is us. And, and, and people say they're selling your data, but this is another uh, paraphrase, but they said it's not your data that's being sold. They don't want to give up your data. What do they do with the da that data? They build models that predict your actions. 
right? And so if they can predict your actions based on these algorithms and models, now they can sell these these actions and these predictions to advertisers and give them a pretty certain return on their advertisement dollars. And so that's really what's happening is you're being sold. We, we are the product, right? And um, it's, it's a crazy thing. Uh, even the like button is, is, is so, so embedded in our psychology that we don't even realize what we're doing, but there's, there's endorphins that are released when we get a like or we get a share or somebody tags us in a photo. It's, it's, it's really, they have done such a great job to tap into the human mind and the human psyche uh, that we don't even realize what's happening and it's happening. And so, again, this isn't con- conspiracy theory stuff like Noah's into. <laughs> this is, uh, yeah, this is, no, these are, these are legit, uh, you know, um, former execs in the industry that, that, are, that are just pulling back the curtain. So it's a scary thing. Um, any thoughts, Noah? Yeah, I, so I, I do have to, you know, say this because it's interesting. What is this, like a week, a week ago? Really, I guess longer than that, we, we've been talking about social media strategy, even for ordinary men and ordinary discussions. And how do we get this podcast out there? So, you know, and I think the one the one Facebook executive, he even said this at the beginning of, of the, of the, um, the documentary, he said, you know, we thought we were starting something good and start starting something, you know, that would help people connect better. And, you know, I wonder if you could speak to that a little bit, because I, I do, I, I don't, I think, I, I don't think of it as an evil thing personally. Like I see it as like more or less like I can see how it becomes an evil thing or I can see how it can become destructive or I can see, but in the same way that any other thing can be either evil or good, just in the right hands or the wrong hands. I just wonder if you could speak to that a little bit because I think we may have differing views on that. Uh, Tristan Harris says it's it's simultaneously utopia and dystopia at the same time, meaning there's a lot of great that comes from technology, but there's certainly problems. And I understand that argument, um, and I'm not here to pound my chest and say you have to delete your social media accounts, and if you're on it, you're evil, or any of that. I, I think more what I'm saying is this is an unfair game. And that's what, that's what the social dilemma is saying, too. This, this isn't a fair game. And they talk about that. They say that um, the processing speed of computers uh, since from 1960 has gone up approximately a trillion times. A trillion times. The processing speed of computers and AI has gone up a trillion times since 1960. Guess how much our brain's processing time has gone up since 1960? I would guess it goes down. <laughs> well, if you lived in the 60s, you probably lost some processing time, <laughs> smoking too much weed. But uh, <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> but um, no, I, it hasn't gone up at all. Our brains, our processing time of our brains is, doesn't change. Our brains are our brains. And so what's happening is it's creating this unfair advantage that we don't even know is happening. And that's, what's, that's what I love about this documentary is bringing light to something that a lot of people don't know exists. And I didn't know it existed at this, at this rate. But there's these algorithms that are, that are created in the background 
that every time you look at something, it, uh, we just heard, it's tracking you. So it knows when you look at a picture. Like for me, if I look at a picture of an elk, right? So now, now I look at a hunting feed. So now when I go on to Facebook and Google and I search, it's going to give me things that I like. So it's going to automatically start feeding me things that are in my, in my, in my interest. Okay? That sounds good until you realize that it, it makes you, um, it really separates you from everyone. I, I see something much different in life than everybody else is seeing in life because what they show me is what is based off my likes and wants. Now that sounds really cool until you really pull the thread on that and see what that does to society. And so like, like there was an argument, you know, Photoshop. So now we have apps that allow us to change the way we look and girls especially uh, spend tons of time uh, you know, photoshopping their face or adding this or adding that so that their selfies look look much better or whatever they're doing, right? Now, the, the difference is we had Photoshop that would allow us to do that before, but Photoshop wasn't tracking every single thing you did. It wasn't tracking now where you posted it. It wasn't tracking the changes you made. It wasn't tracking that you minimized your ear. Okay, so now you minimize your ear, so now we can... Uh, send an article on how to do your hair so that your ears look smaller. Like that may sound silly, but that's what would happen. So they're tracking all of this. And every year the AI is getting smarter and smarter and smarter and better and better and better at predicting what you are going to do. So while I think there is good in social media, while I think that families stay connected, uh, while I think, you know, like we will use it for good in ordinary men. As long as it's there, I'm going to use it. If I can do it for the good, we'll post this podcast on it. Um, you know, those things, that sounds counterintuitive to what we're doing, but if it's there, I'm going to use it. I'm just not going to utilize it for myself. I'm going to utilize it as a tool. So I'm going to take that tool that's trying to, to utilize me and I'm going to utilize it for what I want to use it for. And it's certainly not going to be to, to, scroll through in the evenings or the morning or at lunch. It's certainly not going to be to wait for a like, someone to like a post of mine or to share a photo of mine. It's not going to be any of that. And so that's where I think I agree there is a utopia and a dystopia, but I think the dystopia this time is much higher than, I mean, if you look at, like, let's look at um, the past. So the TV came out and then we had commercials and people were watching commercials and all those things, right? Well, they're not tracking everything you're doing. They're, they're, they're just, they're throwing a commercial up based on the TV show you're watching. Now you could say that that's somewhat the same, but it's really not. There's not some algorithm that's somehow uh, trying to change your mind. See, that's, that's the other thing they talk about is social media is trying to change your mind and your opinions one degree. Like they just want you to change a little bit here. Keep, keep moving this direction before you know it, they've changed your mind into a, into the path they want you to go. And, and, and that's all for the dollar. It's, it's all to make money off of you. So anyhow, that's probably a long way uh, around, but I, I just think it's an unfair advantage this time. I think it's, I think it's different. I think there needs to be regulation. And, and um, yeah, I mean, we'll use it for the good, but I'm not going to use it for my personal. It just it doesn't, it doesn't do anything for my life that, that, I, that is in my goal set. Yeah, that's good. I, I, maybe we don't see uh, differently that much. Because I, I think the same thing. It's like it, it's it's like anything else. It's just it's a it, you use it as a tool, um, but just know the power and know that you know you got to be very careful. 
I tell you, it's crazy. I, I think I told you this earlier is that, you know, we were, we watched that, that documentary and I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really into social media as much as like, you know, a lot of people that I see. That's probably true. But at the same time, like what we don't see is that email is just as bad and there are algorithms for email and everything else. And I, and I, and I got done with uh, the, the next day after we watched it, um, I got a little thing you know, my phone sends me notification of how much screen time I've had. And my average, my average last week was four hours. And I was kind of embarrassed by that. Because I was just like, man, I spent four hours on my phone. Like, what if I would have spent four hours with a relationship? What if I would have spent four hours, like on average every day with, you know, my spouse or my kids, even half that time? Like, that's where... I think you're, you're kind of getting at is like, it's just something you said it, you were like, it's not something that's worth my investment. Um, so it's just, it's just crazy. And I think that's one of the the distinctions that I didn't kind of realize or think about was email, you know, all of these things that we say is productive. And for the most part, I could say that, yeah, they're productive. However, it's still drawing my attention. It's still taking my attention away from the things that matter. Yeah, it's tough for me uh, with Facebook because I work remotely with with the businesses I have, and and then um, I mean even ordinary men we don't have an office we're remote, so I feel like I'm constantly on call, which isn't a good thing. I've got to change that, but I feel like I'm constantly checking my email to make sure that I'm not missing something that I'm on that that I'm on uh, whatever task I need to be handling, and it does consume me at times as well. Um, I just, I don't know. I just feel like that it's bad. It consumes me. It's, it's something that I need to not be involved. I need to, I need to limit my time or batch it. Really. I just need to batch it. I need to, to choose times a day when I do check it and then don't check it in between. Um, just like I batch my work because that makes me more effective. But I, I just, I don't know. I feel like email and social media are different, different beast. Um, but I'm, I'm sure they're similar in that aspect that they take our our attention. Uh, but I think the fear for me in social media, uh, is the polarization in America. I, I think that what we're experiencing now, while there's certainly, I mean, social, social justice is important and, uh, eradicating racism is certainly important and treating people fairly. I mean, all those things that a lot of what we see in society today is extremely important. So I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is we have this polarization of America where, uh, if you believe one way, social media will feed you only what you believe. And if you believe another way, they will feed you only what you believe. And, and these execs were talking about that, how, uh, it's actually manipulated our society into thinking that if you don't think like me, then you're stupid. And it's like, how, how could you think, how could you believe that? you know, let's say you're a Republican. Well, how could that Democrat believe that? They must be an idiot because they, they, I mean, all they have to do is read what I'm reading. But the reality is the Democrats saying, well, how could that Republican say that they're an idiot if they could only see what I'm reading? The reality is they're not reading the same things we're reading. We polarized America in a sense that we have, we're creating almost extremism. And it's not, I, I know you, that probably sounds like a conspiracy theory, but I, I'm telling you, I think that's exactly what's happening. We have we have watered down, we're made truth relative. So we've made truth relative to whatever you think is true at the moment. And then 
you know, they talk about in this that that fake news is spread six times faster, six times faster than real news. And they say, why is that? It says because real news is boring. <laughs> Right, I can make fake news a lot more, a lot more interesting. So now they spread the news six times faster, uh, fake news six times faster, and the fake news that they know you will enjoy gets sent to your feed. And so now you you go down this road where you, it, it's this it's this rabbit hole, and then another side of society is going down another rabbit hole. And before you know it, you wonder why we're having what looks like could be civil war in the future. And and that's not me saying it. They they went through and asked these these executives what their greatest fear was, and one of them, I think Tim Kendall said his greatest fear was in in the short term is civil war, and and that Tim Kendall the the exec for Facebook and Pinterest, and then the uh, Jaron Lanier um, he said his greatest fear is that we don't survive. <laughs> I mean, I, I know I know that sounds crazy. You have to watch it to understand why they say it. Because what happens is it destabilizes democracy. And it has. It already has destabilized democracy throughout the country. But it is, I feel like it's disabling, destabilizing democracy within America. I mean, I don't know what to believe anymore. I don't know what the truth is when it comes to the news and such. I, 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 it's, it's, so it's destabilizing America democracy, but it's, it's destabilized democracy in many other places. Um, it, it is creating this radical left and right that is that is not good, and then and then it's also destabilizing um, you know markets, the financial markets, and so uh, it, it's a um, it's a scary thing that we have to get we have to get under control at some point. Uh, but that's not going to be my problem to solve. Our problem to solve, Noah, and, and what we need to realize is how this is affecting us in our faith. That was part one of the Social Dilemma podcast episode. Join us next time as we discuss how social media has affected Christianity. If you like what you hear, please like, rate, and subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Google, and Spotify. For more information on ordinary men or ordinary women, visit us on the web at theordinarymen.com and theordinarywomen.com. Thank you very much.